Welcome back to the D3 Golf Guys podcast. All right, folks, we have escaped much of the winter here in the southern region of the country. Some of you up north are still struggling to see the golf in your future. But, hark, what is that I hear? Why, there are Masters commercials on TV, folks. It's not long now. But to help you get through this rough patch and get ready and geared up for this big, big spring in Division Three golf, we are here for you. Tonight, we are going to go through kind of a reset for everybody out there to understand, all right, where where we come from this fall, where are we right now, and where are we headed towards? <clears throat> but before we get into that, I want to talk to you about our friends from Titleist. Guys, our partners in Titleist to continue to deliver great things. So the Titleist Golf Glove, those of you that haven't worn it, the best one out there. The Titleist Pro V1, Pro V1X, and the Pro V1 X left dash, the greatest golf balls out there. Their new iron series, unbelievable. Lots of people raving about it. Tour players everywhere moving and playing to their stuff. Titleist is the best golf company out there by far. We believe in them. You should too. All right, man, uh, where to start? First of all, Thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that submitted videos about their indoor practice facilities. It was awesome. We put several videos together to kind of mission mash them up uh, out there. We're going to keep kind of working with some of those videos. We're going to keep playing with it. We tried to highlight them as much as we could. So thank you. That's always fun. Uh, one of these one of these times we're going to get around and come see somebody indoors one time. Um, I, I figure out a way not to bring my sticks. So you don't have to watch me swing my ugly golf swing, but I'll be there to watch you guys swing yours. Uh, all right. So let's go back, right? We've got the whole fall. Let's understand where we are through the fall. So let's reset. So let's start with the women's side. I'm going to really kind of on the women's side, I'm going to stick to the golf week Sagarin rankings that we had. I would really love the women's coaches poll to be done, but we haven't done that. I'm not going to talk about spike mark. I don't really think the clipped spike mark rankings are still any very good. So I'm going to stick with these. When we talk about the men's side, I'm going to use the golf coaches poll. Um, I always prefer to use the coaches poll because the coaches poll always is more accurate than any other polls that we have out there. Okay, so... In the golf sat, golf week Sagan rankings, here's what we reset to: Emory is number one, Pomona Pitzer number two, Williams number three, St. Kate's is four, George Fox five, Carnegie Mellon six, Washington Lee seven, Illinois Wesleyan eight, Carlton nine, Redlands ten. All right, that's the top ten. Uh, going on from there, Washington Wash U is eleven, Amherst twelve, Claremont Mudscripts thirteen, UT Dallas fourteen, Hamilton fifteen, Wisconsin Whitewater sixteen, Grinnell seventeen, Center eighteen, Middlebury nineteen, and NYU twenty. All right, I could print out more, but I I didn't because uh, I think that's good enough for us to reset. So, but remember, we we've got a pretty high end top five or six here, right? Uh, Emory came out of the gates fast. They've been in the top two or three for the last two years plus Pomona as we talked to them earlier here in, in our podcast we we talked all about their great fall and all the travel they did they had the best fall I've seen out of a women's team in a long time and they did more travel than anybody so they're right there Williams as we know can't get out uh from the northeast as much as other people because they can't miss class but we know they're really really good 
St. Kate's has had a great fall up in the the Minnesota region. We'll have to wait a little bit till the, the, the St. Kate's ladies can get out of out of the north to get down and start to play again. George Fox has two of the best players in the country and they're defending national champions. So if you think they're not any good, we got another thing coming, right? Carnegie Mellon has proven already that they are ready to go and ready to win it all. They finished high in the last couple years. They played well all fall. Then you have the up and coming Washington and league ladies who look pretty good. We haven't seen them kind of get over the hump of the two or three that are out there, but they're right there. And then Illinois Wesleyan, Really nice, kind of sneak around the chicken coop just a little bit, but they can play, and it's going to be really interesting to see when they show up at Nationals, right? Then we have Carlton at nine, who we've seen them go head-to-head with St. Kate's. That's going to be really interesting. Can they kind of get that last fifth score ready to go for the spring? And and so as we kind of look at that, Redlands is 10. We're going to see what Redlands is made of when they have to go up against Pomona Pitzer all, all in the spring. Okay, but... That's sort of the the women's landscape, right? From a rankings perspective, what what are we looking at for the for the women's kind of game? Is it's going to be heavy hitters? But the hard part here is there's less tournaments in the spring where everybody gets together like they did in the fall, right? We don't have the golf week and we don't have the national preview, so that will be a little bit less. But as we start to look at this, this is when we'll start to talk about nationals and getting into the big tournament, the national championships. I'm excited for it. I think you're going to see little movement in the top 10 to 12 for the women going in through the spring. There's some good tournaments in the spring for the women, and we'll go through them. Uh, Several of them will be together, but not like we saw this fall. It it won't be as comprehensive. Um, We'll still see probably Emory and Carnegie get together a bunch. We probably won't see much of George Fox, Pomona Pitzer, Williams, we won't see them come out at all either. So what we really are going to start to focus on for most of the spring is where do we have two teams in the league? Where are we going to find those pool A, pool B, pool C games and matches and tournaments, things that they're going to have that's going to help determine our order of who's going to go to nationals. And we'll get into the nationals numbers here in a little bit. Okay, let's flip over to the men's side. So recapping for the men, we had two teams that clearly kind of stepped above everybody else. That was Methodist and Emory. Methodist clean house at the end of the year, looking really, really good. Emory had the really good start to the fall. Those two have kind of separated a little bit. So we remember we've got Methodist and Emory right there, ready to go. And they're going to see a lot of each other in the spring. It's going to kind of be the opposite uh, for the men in the spring, because a lot of the top five or six teams are going to see each other and see each other a lot. So we're going to be able to figure out what's going on. So Methodist one, Emory two, Carnegie three, Carnegie's right there. They're awesome. Illinois Wesleyan four. Again, coach Ott and the guys are ready to go. They won't be at some of those big Southern tournaments. That probably gives them a little bit of advantage to, to, kind of get prepared for nationals because they're going to be there ready to go. Oglethorpe at five. Oglethorpe's going to have a chance to take on Methodist and Emory a whole bunch. Claremont Mud Scripps. We'll see the California guys, but we won't see a ton of them. But I do have interesting news that Claremont is coming east for spring break. We'll get into that here when we talk about the schedule. Number seven, Lynchburg. Again, here's our Lynchburg guys. They're right there, ready to go. 
we'll see how, how can, can they keep up that great fall with a really interesting spring, right? Uh, Suwannee at eight, really nice close to the fall. They're going to be looking, staring Oglethorpe head to head in all these tournaments. It's going to be who is going to be getting geared up to win that conference. And then can the other one be in a good enough position to make sure they get an, an, an at-large bid? Washington and Lee's men, number nine. Number 10, Deck Texas at Dallas. Number 11, St. John's, Minnesota, which is kind of weird because they still have Bethel at 13. Uh, but St. John's at 11, Wittenberg at 12, Bethel at 13. Bethel's in, if you remember, they won the conference championship. Uh, but we know St. John's is really good. Uh, again, those are the Minnesota schools. We're going to have to wait a little bit. They're going to get a later start in the, in the spring, but that's why they do their conference in the fall. Uh, Babson at 14. It's going to be interesting. I don't have Babson's schedule up right now, but we're going to, Babson will show up somewhere in the South at some point in this spring. Uh, it's just a matter of where. Pomona Pitzer's men at 15. Huntington's 16. Huntington's still hanging around. I, I, this is going to be the big one. We've talked about Huntington all fall. Will they come out and be ready to go for the spring? Will they have figured out their 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 lineup? They get the right five guys playing at the right time. A big test for Huntington this spring. Our, our guys at Aurora at seventeen, they're only going to go up. They're they're, they're going to have a great spring. They they're not in some of these other big events, so they're going to play great. They're going to win their they're going to they're already winning their conference. They're going to win their conference. They're going to go to nationals. Guilford, another one of those in the same bucket with with Huntington. Who are they? Where are they, and what kind of transition have they had over the break? Uh, 19, Christopher Newport, 20, Greensboro, 21, Averett, 22, RPI, 23, Piedmont, 24, Kenyon, and 25, Willamette. Okay, now we talk a little bit about this stuff, but one of the things that's really interesting, especially in college golf, is we get this big layoff in the middle of the season, right? If you think about all the other sports, there's really not a – Oh, we play for half a year and then we take three months off and then we start up again. But in college golf, you really do that. And there are lots of things can happen. One, people could transfer and leave or fail out of school. Um, people could show up to school or become eligible. Um, you could have a freshman that was good but not ready. But by the time you get to November, all of a sudden they're ready and then they really start to kind of put it together. And all of a sudden in February, March, they show up and all of a sudden they're in the top three of your team and you look like a completely different squad. And that's both this both goes for both men and women, right, is one of the things we're going to look for is who is that second half team? You know, a, a Huntington would be a good would be somebody I would look at to go. Do they get the order right to where all of a sudden they're in the top three or four of a couple of these big tournaments. And it's like, whoa, okay. We knew they had potential, but now they may have finally put it together. Um, inevitably, there'll be somebody who had a great fall who just doesn't seem to put it together in the spring like they had in the fall. Um, and remember, we're talking about 18 to 23 to 24 year old athletes. Anything can happen. Uh, but that's where I think it's going to be interesting as we look towards the spring. What, do we look at? Um, wh where do we go? So before we get into kind of looking forward to the spring, uh, real quick, 
uh, reminder that our friends at Pinned Golf have one of the best range finders out there. And you guys have done a fabulous job of, of using that code at D3 Golf Guys and using our links um, to go hit up uh, the pin guys. They've got great merchandise. The range finders are awesome. USB chargeable. Um, you know, my my son has one that I was driving to the golf course for, a, for his first tournament of the, of the spring. And I was like, oh, I don't know how much charge this thing has. We could plug it right into the car as we drove to the tournament. You can use a portable charging device really, really easily. Keep that in your golf bag. Always have charge. So, again, uh, thank you for your for your contributions. Continue to do that. Hit the link. We've tweeted out. We put it out on Instagram. We're doing a great job, so let's keep that up. All right. Now, let's talk about the ultimate goal for the spring and where we have come from the fall, right? We went through the rankings. Now, what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to get a shot at a national championship. Well, that gets us to the fields at the for the NCAA tournaments for both the men and the women. Okay, once again, let, let's start with the women here. On the women's side of things, we're going to get 24 Pool A or automatic qualifiers, okay? That means there are 24 conferences that play women's golf and have enough teams to, to qualify for that. Now, there very well could be adjustments to these numbers at the end of the year. Rarely happens, but there could be. Um, if somebody doesn't field a team or things like that, that is occasionally what happens, as was depicted by the Golf Week article. But so on the women's side, we've got 24 Pool A teams. There will be two Pool B teams. Now, remember... Pool B is if your conference does not get an automatic qualifier, you go to Pool B. So, unfortunately for most people, Emory and Carnegie Mellon, and both the men and the women, are not their conference does not have enough to generate an automatic qualifier. So I can tell you right now, Carnegie Mellon and Emory's women's golf teams are taking up to two spots in Pool B. Now, on the women's side, we have less... Uh, entrance into the national championships, which we need to work on. Uh, but that's more about it. That's more about how many schools play women's golf and how many conferences have enough teams to qualify. But there are only three pool C spots. So if you don't win your conference, there are only three spots available. So on the women's side, you better darn well beat win your conference because it's going to really matter because only three spots are out there. And there are a lot of really good schools. So if you think about just our friends in Minnesota, St. Kate's and Carlton, St. Kate's wins the conference. Carlton's looking for pool C. Okay. Well, they've got to be better than at least two, you know, two other, they, they, they got to beat everybody else, but two. So if they lose to three of them and it's not Carnegie and Emory. If there's three other schools that are ranked before them that don't get an automatic bid they're not going to nationals. Now, I don't think that's the case. And when we look at the rankings right now, they're going to be fine. But one of the things we're going to do as the spring kind of goes on here before we really get ramped up into February is we're going to go through all the conferences and we're going to look at the rankings and conferences and really try to pick out and we'll help everybody understand where the big races are. In the women's side of things, the races are pretty tight because there's only three at-large bids, right? So, you know, Williams, Amherst, those kinds of places. You've got the 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 Texas schools. You've got 
the SAA, you've got the the ODAC, you've got a, a lot of those conferences where you're like, uh, there's multiple teams inside the top 25 from those schools. Where else do we go? There's other other things in here that are that are pool B teams. So like NYU is in the top 20 and they're a pool B team, but they're not high ranked as high as Emory and Carnegie. So they're going to fall to pool C. Well, are they in front of another team that they would go in front of them? So that's where we'll break down all of that information. So for the women going back through one more time, 24 automatic qualifiers, two pool B, three pool C. Okay. All right, now let's go to the men's side of the, the draw. So well, before we go there, the women's are going to be in Lexington, Kentucky, and they're going to be at uh, the Keene Trace comp- the Complex, Transylvania's hosting, and they're going to do a great job. They will do awesome. I heard great feedback from the fall preview at the national championship location, and I heard lots of great stuff, but I also heard that, ooh, man, this could play really tough. And I said, yes, you should try the one that the Barbasol is on, uh, especially when that rye rough gets up about five or six inches. Um, fairways is a must no matter when you play or which, which course you play out there. All right. The men's side in May, they're going to be out in Vegas, a Boulder City area, right by the Hoover Dam. <clears throat> For them, they're going to have 34 automatic qualifiers. So 34 automatic qualifiers on the men's side. There will be one pool B. That's right. One pool B and there will be eight pool C. So in our next podcast, we're going to really break down the conferences and start to look and say, okay, here's where we think the hot challenges are for pool C and pool B. Uh, We're not going to do that tonight because tonight we want to kind of keep doing the reset here. We also want to start getting you thinking about what's going to happen in the spring. So let's look at the spring schedule just a little bit, right? So when we look at the spring schedule, let's go find some interesting tournaments. We're going to start on the men's side because there are some tournaments that do both men and women. But uh, the first tournament that we want to pay attention to is actually out in California, February 12th. The Leopard Invitational, uh, Spring Invitational, is hosted by Laverne. We should get a good sense of some of the California schools out there. There's several of them in the top 25. And so who's going to kind of step up? Is Claremont going to be ready to go? Does Pomona want to get another win on them? Where do we go from there? That'll be the first kind of real tournament we're going to look at here and that's only a handful of weeks away folks so coming in really quickly uh the beauty of southern california weather all right next up for the men's side is the savannah invitational march 5th hosted by barry college uh this is gonna be a great tournament a whole bunch of people are gonna be there it's kind of the spring break time frames it's on the coast it's gonna be nice usually nicer weather there uh Great tournament, put on great by the guys at Barry. Should be a good field. That'll be men and women, and we'll touch back to, on that again at the women's women's discussion. All right, then after that, five days later, the Tiger Invitational, hosted by Hampton Sydney on March 10th at a little golf course known as Forest Creek. Now, folks, there's another course in that area called Pinehurst that most people know about, but Forest Creek might be even nicer than that. Uh, 
guy by the name of Michael Jordan is a member there. It's really awesome golf course. Uh, Hanton Sydney hosts that tournament. That will get a great field, and that will be another opportunity to f- filter out people for who's going to go to nationals. So as you can see, March is going to be packed, right? Because then March, 30, March 22nd, we're going to be at Jekyll Island, the big spring break tournament hosted by Oglethorpe down there. Now, this year, one of the courses that we usually play over at Jekyll is being redone. So I believe one of the tournaments is going to be moved over to St. Simon's Island. Uh, we'll have more details on that here in the future, but we're going to be split between the two islands. But the biggest part of that is D3 Golf Guys will be live and on site. Uh, we will give out more information there, but you will see us live. We're going to be doing live shows after every round of the Jekyll tournament. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Everybody's going to get a chance to come over and say hello. We'll have some stuff to give away. We'll have some stuff to raffle off. So very exciting. We're looking forward to being out there. It'll be our test run before we get to nationals. All right. Next, on the men's side, we've got two tournaments on April 5th. One, Illinois Wesleyan's Invitational will be a big tournament in the Midwest. That's where we'll see Illinois Wesleyan and a couple other of those big schools will show up. I don't. I think Aurora might be in that one. Uh, I haven't confirmed that yet because I don't have not everybody's spring schedules on their uh, website. But that'll be a big tournament. At the same time, the Camp Lejeune tournament it will be going on as well. That will be another big tournament for a lot of those southeastern schools as we go into that. Then uh, simply a week later will be Emory's tournament at Shoals, at the Shoals Invitational. So it's in Shoals Creek. Uh, really going to be an exciting one. That'll also have women there as well as the Jekyll one will have women. But that will be one of the big, big tournaments right before conference tournaments. So Shoals, the Shoals Creek tournament could be the last ditch effort for those to try to make a case to win a pool C spot. And the other one, which is also kind of at the same time, is the Cochrane Classic hosted by Rhodes College. There'll be some other good teams there. That'll be the two we keep our eye on right there because pretty much if you're looking for a tournament at the end, right before conference, those are it. Um, on the men's side, that's kind of the spring schedule. That that will get us to where we are. I think there's a couple more in Texas and California. We'll call those out as we get in there. But as we look to kind of say who's going to be favored in nationals, where are we going? Um, now, the interesting thing is we talked about Jekyll being there. I believe, as I confirmed on their website, that Claremont is coming to Jekyll for that spring break tournament. So we're going to get a California school all the way east to come play in that tournament. Uh, that'll be a really great comparison and Claremont's going to have to try to deliver for all of California to make sure that they put their stamp on California is really good and you better think about giving us more than one bid. Okay. Now let's switch over to the women's, uh, schedule, which I think is really, really good. Lines up very interesting. Okay. The, the couple first tournaments are going to be out West, in in the the better weather, there's the Tim Tierney Pioneer on February 25th. That will be an interesting uh, tournament to to get things kicked off. And right after that, uh, this will be Savannah's Invitational, which which again that will have a lot of those Southern schools attached to it on March 5th. Then right after that is George Fox's Invitational. That's on March 9th, and I think somebody is flying out to that tournament. From the East Coast. I don't have that all lined up just yet because, like I said, I don't have all the schedules down just yet. But uh, that will be really interesting if we get somebody from the East Coast to fly out and play in that George Fox Invitational. 
Uh, next, Cal Lutheran Invitational. This will be another California one because remember, we've got Pomona and we've got some good schools out in California. They can go a little earlier. So the Cal Lutheran Tournament on 311 will be something we keep our eye on. Obviously, the ladies have a Jekyll tournament. We're going to be there. We're going to come out. We're going to see all the ladies at least one day. We're going to try to spend one day at the ladies' tournament and one day at the men's tournament, and we'll be around at night for both of them so that all will see us. Uh, After that, another important California tournament is the Santa Cruz Invitational. Uh, That's going to be March 29th. Santa Cruz puts on a really great tournament. A lot of the D3 schools play there, and I hear that this may need to be a tournament I check out next year as well because I have heard a rumor that next year it may be hosted at Pasa Tiempo, which if you don't know what that is, I highly recommend you go find out what that is because it's an Alistair McKenzie golf course out in California that is unbelievable. Um, And I'm telling you right now, if we've got more than like three or four uh, teams at the Santa Cruz Invitational next year, plan on D3 golf guys showing up because I need me some Pasa Tiempo. Uh, All right. Next, uh, the Stith Invitational, April 8th. That's going to be hosted by Randolph Macon. That will be another in, in, interesting tournament. Washington Lee, I expect to be there. A couple other things. That'll be the week before the Emory's Shoals Invitational, which will have women at also. So that's really exciting. And then Amherst Invitational on April 20th. Again, remember, the Northern Schools kind of have to wait a little bit because you know February is probably a definite no-go and March is dicey at best. <clears throat> but that Amherst Invitational, that will be very important, not just because we think Williams is is good, but it's really going to be more about Amherst and Middlebury and NYU to kind of play out the, okay, you're probably not getting three teams in if there's only three Pool C bids. So can you have one of those teams step up and above everybody else before conference? Uh, so that's kind of the, the spring schedule that we want to look forward towards. Uh you know it's it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting process for the spring and i'm really excited about it I, uh you know as we look forward to it one we're starting to kind of get our ducks in a row for uh, our trip out to jekyll um just to get everybody a little excited about it one we're going to try to do a live show every night after the round, talk about the round, talk about that. We're going to try to have some coaches and players on. We're going to try to get some player interviews. We'll try to get some live shots. Uh, if I can figure out enough social media to do that, we'll try to do it to our best of our abilities. Uh, but we will also uh, have some swag out there with us and do some fun things. So be look if you're going to Jekyll and you and you love the podcast, uh, come up, shake our hands. We're going to love to see you. We're going to be somewhere pretty prominent, so you won't be able to uh, hide from us that well. I, I'm very excited because when we look at the spring schedule, it's going to line up really, really well. And I think there's going to be op- just enough opportunities for us to weed out kind of who is where leading into nationals. And I think this could be an all-time record for how well people play at nationals because there are just too many good teams on both the men and women's side that are ready to go, have prepared for what they are trying to achieve, and I just think the golf is just that much better. And if we get decent weather at all at either one of those tournaments, we could set some records, in my opinion. Okay, with that uh, we're going to wrap up here tonight, but again, hit up those sponsors that we've talked about and keep a lookout for the next podcast where we're going to really get into the who's on the bubble, 
who's in and what conferences do we think are the things we need to pay the most attention to and what matchups do we want to find that are the most important as we get into the chase for the national championship this year in Division Three golf. Until then, hit up straight. Cheers. Thank you.